Welcome. Thank you so much. We are in a treat. I've been hearing them rehearse for la the last hour, and the music this morning is going to be gorgeous. My name is Christina Fleming, and I'm the Director of Communications here at Middle Church on behalf of the Senior Minister, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, and the Consistory. We warmly welcome you to Middle Collegiate Church. Um, and we welcome to all those joining us online, on Twitter, on Facebook, on live stream. If you wanna just turn around and welcome those watching in their PJs or at the beach. <laughs> Do we have any visitors here this morning who might be here for the first time and maybe extroverts and raise their hand? Hey, what is your name? Hey, Judith, where are you visiting from? Ooh, Australia, ooh. Well, thank you, you had a longer commute than me this morning. Um, and Beth is gonna bring you a card on how you can stay connected to us throughout the year. Any other visitors here this morning? Yes, where are you, where are you tra um, traveling from? From France. Oh, bonjour. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Um, this, this morning's preacher is the Reverend Dr. Derek Harkins, and he is Senior Vice President at Union Seminary and also Minister in Residence here at Middle Church, and we are excited to hear you bring the word this morning, so thank you. Um, and then there's going to be a talk back after worship, a sermon talk back on the fourth floor, if you'd like to join Derek and Catherine Torpy on the fourth floor for that discussion. Uh, next Sunday is Labor Day uh, Sunday, and if you are a union member and would like to participate in part of Sunday's activities, can please see Rob. He is in the back t right now, but after worship, if you're a union member and would like to take part, check in with him. Also, next Sunday is... Our, our final 1030 uh, summer series of worship, and then we'll go back September 9th to two worships again. Um, and then just so if you are, the, if you are um, a New Yorker who likes to plan out your schedule, in the middle of the Bolton are upcoming, um, our upcoming education opportunities in the, all right, the middle of the flap. Uh, when the flap is down. There's upcoming things in September, so all 
year long, once a month leading up to the conference, we're gonna bring conference level speakers in. So I see two friends here who were at our conference for many years, uh, Revolutionary Love, and September 9th is Andrew Wilkes, who has a new book out. And then there'll be Tuesday night Bible studies this fall, and of course, Bible in the Middle, uh, Catherine Torpy and other ministers will help host that. All right, uh, we're ready to start worship, and we're excited that you are here with us this morning. Please remain standing. Morning, all. <laughs> Please remain standing for the prayer of Thanksgiving, if my phone will cooperate. Hey, God, it's us. Thank you for getting us through another week with all its ups and downs. As the summer is winding down, we give thanks for time off to spend with family and friends, and for many of many of the start of a new school year and new opportunities. Help us remember to to remember that in all things to, to give thanks to you, because without you, we can do nothing. Bless this time together and help us to open our ears and our hearts to hear a word from you, and we will be mindful to give you the thanks and the praise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
stage. We refreshed our blanket, if you could tell. <laughs> we got some new one to get some love. It's green and yellow now. Time, sometimes it's just time for something new, like you get a new backpack maybe if your other one was worn out. Oh, we have a backpack friend even joining us. So my friends, I am so happy to see you as summer is winding down. You know, you know. We get to hear a sermon today from Derek. That's Derek right there. And the name, the title of his sermon is The Heartbreak of Halfway. I do not know what that means. I do not know what that means, Koemi said. <laughs> we're, we're all kind of going, what does that mean? D Derek, we don't know. We're excited to hear more. The Heartbreak if your heart is sad, the heartbreak of halfway, halfway. Think in your mind right now of something that you feel like you, oh, maybe you only get halfway through. Like you need to keep going, but it's hard because you're at that halfway point. Like maybe halfway through a homework assignment. You're just stuck on that one math problem. Do the ring monkey bars. Oh, Koemi said when you're on the playground and you're halfway through getting across on the monkey bars. That's a great example. Yeah. And you're like, I've gotten to bar three and I need this, the stamina to get to bar 10 all the way across, halfway through. Maybe you feel halfway through a race or building a Lego tower. Halfway through a presidency or... <laughs> Lord have mercy, okay. So we, we can feel that halfway feeling. I like that monkey bar example, halfway through. What does that feel like if you feel stuck? How does it feel? Well, when I was on there, I, can, I was holding on and I couldn't reach to the third one. Yeah, you can't reach it maybe. How do you feel? What's the feeling when you feel stuck? The feeling is... You want me to come back to you? Yeah. I heard Gabrielle at the same time talking about being at the library and maybe feeling halfway through a book. Miss mm. Sarah, what does it feel like when you feel stuck? Mm, frustrated. I would use that word too. Frustrated. Okay. 
frustrated, maybe you feel discouraged, maybe a little sad. What helps keep you going? Yeah. Trying again. Trying again. Trying again. Give it another shot. What else helps keep you going? Just keep on reading. Just keep on reading. If like you had Gabrielle's example about being at the library, just keep on reading. Keep on trying. Figure out the words. And figure out the words. Yeah, maybe you have to like sound out the word. What else helps keep you going when you feel frustrated, when you feel stuck? Singing. I like that. Allison said singing. What about asking someone for help? Asking for help. Some grown-ups, no, that is hard to do. But maybe you could be the role models for those grown-ups in asking for help. Who can you ask for help? Who are, who are people that you can ask for help from? You, if someone's working and you, and you say, can, can, can you please help me, the person's working. Oh, so when someone else is working and they're both doing the same project and they feel frustrated too, can you please help me? You could ask that to a teacher or a parent or an auntie or an uncle or a pastor or a friend. You ask your mom. These are wonderful ideas. I am going to keep that monkey bar visualization in my head because I remember what that felt like trying to get across. And that we can ask, we can ask for help. Yeah, I asked my dad for help. Yeah, that's good. Asking a parent for help, Koemi. So when we get frustrated, we, when we feel stuck, we don't have to stay in that place, in that halfway place. We can try again. We can keep going. Can you say a prayer with me? Will you stand up and link hands or arms? Oh, and look at our other friends, just in time for prayer. Come link, link up with us. Freddie and Leslie, we're ready for you. Oh, my sister has that Your sister has that dress? That is so cool. Okay, let's pray together. Dear God. Dear God. Sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel stuck. At a halfway point. At a halfway point. We feel frustrated. Help us remember. Help us remember to try again. To try again. To ask for help. To ask for help. And work together. And work together. Amen. Amen. All right, I like those pearls of wisdom. Let's sing Siahumba and we can return to our grown-ups. Good morning, Middle Church. Good morning. Uh, we have been so lucky and blessed to have uh, Allison Mickelson with us this August. And Allison is headed out after today, and we send all our love as she goes for another round of Fun Home. Yes, so we celebrate that even though we'll miss her. Um, if you would find a position of prayer that's comfortable to you as we enter a moment of silent meditation and prayer. O holy creator God who breathed wind over the formless masses in the beginning, breathed on the day of Pentecost to found your church, 
whose breath moves through each one of us now, we give you thanks and praise for this thing called life. We give you thanks for a place to come each Sunday morning to get life breathed into us as we breathe life back into the world. We pray for all those who are in Hawaii right now dealing with a tropical storm and hurricane, especially middle member Genesis. Pray for an administration that decided to go ahead in undoing restrictions on coal plants, even though their own report said it would result in the death of 1,400 people. As we see natural disasters becoming a false name, falsely titled. Our hearts are in Myanmar, in Bangladesh with the Rohingya people. 700,000 who are being displaced in a ethnic cleansing. And we are reminded that fundamentalist terrorism comes in every shade, every religion, in every corner of the earth. We're reminded that we are easily lured into a place of hate because we think it makes us safe. And so we celebrate when monuments to terrorism like the Confederate soldier in Chapel Hill was torn down. We pray that everyone remembers that property is not people. That those citizens united tells us that corporations are people, we follow a God who tells us otherwise. That we never value or prioritize profits over people. We thank for those who are standing up there and those who stood up here in New York and brought down the statue of day, Marion Sims. We know that as we look around the country and see Confederate soldiers and monuments and the Klan marching, that we have that same impulse and problems here in our city. We have laws that are so antiquated that keep people in jail, that keep people from having their rights and trials. So as we look around the world and see the problems, we ask for an internal gaze as well, looking at this city as we prepare for elections in the coming weeks. God, we know that heartbreak is not just a metaphor, that when our hearts are broken, it means that they aren't working. We ask for grace and mercy for those around us who are heartbroken, that we may have patience and love, and that we may have the same with ourselves, that as we go through tender times and memories of lost ones or losing precious family and friends, losing precious relationships, moving and transitioning in life, that we hold on to your gracious love in our dealings, not knowing what each person we come encounter with are carrying with them at any given moment. We pray now that you would move through this worship experience, that we would leave different than how we came, that we can leave in a way that is glorifying you, knowing that the world is waiting on us to be your love. In your many mighty, loving, and tender names we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would please rise as you're able and hold hands as you're willing as we recite the Lord's Prayer in whatever language or version you choose. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, and power, and glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen, choir. Please pass the peace of God to your neighbors and friends. Peace be with you. Good morning to you, Middle Collegiate Church in the city of New York on this summer morning. I'm, I'm actually setting my timer because although I could preach for 45 minutes, 
It's the last Sunday in August, and I want to be remembered well. So. <laughs> yes, smart indeed. The text this morning comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, the 11th chapter of Genesis, and it begins at the 26th verse through the 32nd verse. And the beginning of it, you'll hear a lot of the sort of the lineage kind of language that is not unfamiliar uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, but I'd ask that you particularly pay close attention to the last two verses uh, as I read them. Here now, uh, these words. When Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as I said, this passage has some of the attendant lineage language that is not unfamiliar to us in the Hebrew Scriptures. It gives us a little bit of the beginning of the understanding of Abram, then to be Abraham's family. This precedes the, the call to Abraham to go to Canaan. But interestingly enough, we have before that the good intentions, at least as they appear, of Terah and family to make their way to Canaan. Now we know from later on that Canaan is described as a land of milk and honey, a land of abundance, a land that is the fulfillment of all of the promises that are embodied in God. So, so therefore, Canaan was a good destination to have in, in, in store, in, in mind. And that was the way the journey began. But something along the way unfolded. And we're told that when they got to Haran, they settled there, and that Terah died in Haran. Now, this had been a trip that began as one with the land of Canaan in destination. But here we see something happen. In fact, interestingly enough, the word for settled in the 31st verse really can best be understood not simply as settling and setting up housekeeping and setting up all the things that we associate with that, but more so plopping down. So in other words, we're told that Terah and company plopped down in Haran, and Terah lived out the rest of his days there. Now with that understanding, it's worth examining what happened with such an ambitious goal in mind at the outset, what happened to Canaan as the destination? And maybe it's instructive for us to understand for our own journeys what might cause us to settle for halfway. So maybe what unfolds here, and, and we can really only speculate, but that's okay, but maybe what happened by way of Terah and company is that they settled into the sensible and the practical. Now we might often say, well that makes perfect sense. What's better than sensibility and, and practicality? What's better than doing the things that, that seem to, to, to make the most ordered and, 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 and 
full measure of sense that, that don't upset the apple cart. But ah, oh, if we think about it for a moment, are we really the recipients of what is sensible and practical? Have the folk who've gone before us to struggle for what's right and what's just done simply what's sensible and practical? Or are we the beneficiaries, are we the recipients of the audacious, radical, revolutionary, far-sighted sense of justice and commitment that those who've gone before us have had? Rob, was it sensible for those students the other day to pull that statue down? Was it sensible for folk to do all the things that are replete throughout history that have gotten us to where we've gotten? Just the other day, our, our youngest daughter who just started uh, school the other uh, Wednesday uh, up at SUNY Purchase in the Dance Conservatory, was excited about that. And one of the things that I made sure she did before uh, we, we made our way up to Westchester County was to register to vote. Now, and she had a choice of she, she could register however she wanted with whatever party she wanted. Now, whether or not she'd have a home to come to, that's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But here's the thing. For her, registering to vote here in the state of New York was, relatively speaking, mundane. She, she got online. <laughs> she didn't have to go somewhere and, and, and fill out a questionnaire. She didn't have to tell somebody how many bubbles there were in a bar of soap. She didn't have to prove her citizenship. She simply got online and registered. And the fact that that was so mundane and so matter-of-fact, it struck me the reason it was mundane and the reason it was matter-of-fact is because some folk did some very unmundane and not matter-of-factly kinds of things to get us to this point. So we are the beneficiaries of what is not sensible, what's not practical, but what is audacious, revolutionary, and radical. So before we say, well, obviously, doing what's sensible and doing what's practical should always be our goal. Let's stop and think for a moment. Does that oftentimes really get us to where we intend to go? If, if simply doing the sensible and practical thing was always successful, we'd be reading about Terah having made it to Canaan and not dying in Haran. But sometimes we're lulled into the sensible and practical for seemingly obvious reasons. Sometimes we end up feeling like, well, we've done enough. I've traveled enough, I've travailed enough, I've served enough, I've given enough. I deserve to sit down now. Hmm. Okay. Thanks be to God for those who didn't sit down mid-journey, mid-stream, mid-way. Maybe I settle into the sensible not simply because I've done enough, maybe because I've had enough. I'm tired, it's, 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 it's vexing, it's draining, it's exhausting. I was reading a story a few months ago about a gentleman, I believe in southern Ohio, who made the determination after November 2016 that he was not going to get this now. You maybe have read the same story. Wasn't going to read the news, wasn't going to go online, didn't want to know anything about what is transpiring in the world around us, swirling in the world around us right now. Now look, on its face, I get it, because this is not good stuff, and it's tiring, and it's, and it's exhausting, and it, and it wears us down in so many respects. However, I thought to myself as I read that story, how, how entitled and privileged it is to think that I can remove myself just because stuff is hard, stuff is difficult, stuff is, 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 is weighing down on me. No, we have to understand that sometimes that's the very moment, that's the very reason, that's the very place in time when we need to be the most present. Now, of course, there's a difference between being present and being consumed. I, I, I don't want the ugliness of these moments to defeat me or destroy me, but I do want to be able to respond to them with a sense of what's right and what's just. So although we sometimes settle into 
the practical and sensible because we've done enough or maybe just we've had enough. Understand that, again, there are those who've gone before us who, instead of settling, have done what's audacious and radical and revolutionary. So, let's keep walking with terror for a moment. Now, now, now the, the journey begins coming out of Ur, and now we come halfway, so to speak, to Haran. Canaan's still off in the distance, and, and Terah settles there. And sometimes we come to those moments, whether it's, it's geographically or, or thereby the halfway point, maybe or maybe or not, but, but sometimes we feel like we're, we're in the midst of the journey and we want to stop and slow down and take account. For Terah, it ended up being the place to sit it out and to settle. But maybe we can use that point in our journey when we feel like we're at the halfway moment, maybe we can use it as an instructive moment. When I was a kid, in the back of our church bulletin in our church growing up in Cleveland, our pastor often used lines from this poem. You may know it. It's not the, the best poem by way of poetic structure. That's okay. But, but it, it gets the point across. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's attributable to, to anybody, if it's anonymous or not, but, but the lines, at least, that I remember were, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, and when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint in the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It might be near when it seems afar, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. I don't want this to be equated with, with a winning at all costs kind of mentality. No offense to the late Vince Lombardi. It's not about winning isn't everything, it's the only thing and all that. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that when we come to those moments when it seems like there's more being vanquished than being victorious, we ought to remember that there are those things that can all of a sudden take in and take over that can move us from halfway and that can keep us going. I'm not a marathoner, but my wife's run a marathon, and I remember as she was prepping and reading all about what it takes to endure a marathon, most folk will tell you that the human body can pretty much be trained to cover about 20 miles out of one's own physical resilience. You, you can train your muscles. You can, you can get to the point of being fit. Now, I don't know, there probably are some marathoners here in the, in the room, and, and you could attest to that, and, and, and therefore, it's, it's great. But the last time I checked, a, a marathon wasn't 20 miles. 26.2 and change. So something has to happen beyond that 20-mile mark that exceeds our understood, listen to me now, that exceeds our understood capacity. Some people talk about getting over the wall or, or, or whatever it might be, that, that something has to kick in that moves you beyond whatever it is that you've got by way of resources. Now, I don't know that everybody who runs a marathon necessarily has a spiritual sensitivity, but I will just say this. I would hope that a few marathoners past that 20-mile mark might realize that, yes, there's something beyond my capacity that's at play now. So maybe we need to understand that when we're in the midst of struggle, we're in the midst of our journey, if you will, our Canaan journey, that there, yes, will come times when we are tired, when we hit a wall, but then thanks be to God... We can call upon the strength of a God who is faithful. We can call upon the, the, the strength of a community that is supportive. We can call upon the strength of the legacy of those who've gone before us and who remind us that the race can be won. So understand this morning that yes, we'll come to halfway moments. We'll come to places where our spirits might flag. But don't quit. Allow something beyond you, something bigger than you, something fuller than you 
to take up residence in that moment. Understand, my prescriptive to Tara would have been, if Tara could have only seen the larger purpose of being in relationship with a God of love and direction and sustaining faithfulness, if Tara could have only seen that that purpose would have endured and extended beyond just the moments of his journey. <laughs> Tara could have only trusted that in that journey, God would indeed be faithful. And then maybe Tara would have been able to keep on going. So I'd say to us this morning, church, that yes, halfway can be a place of heartbreak if we settle, if we drift into complacency, if we think, well, I've done all that I need to do, I've, I've taken all that I can take, and I've run out of my own capacity. But halfway can also be a place of renewal. And interestingly enough, a place of renewal when we realize that it's no longer just us. It's no longer just what I bring to the game but it's everything that has gone into me by way again of the support, the, the mutual faithfulness of those around me, the legacy of those who've gone before me, and a God who is transcendently present in the midst of my journey. Understand this morning that when we drift into complacency, when we drift into the sensible, when we drift into those places where it just seems like this is the place to be, there's so much work that gets left undone. There's so much that, that's left unfulfilled because we've decided to just become comfortable. Now, I, 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 I'm like you. I, I have no problem with being able to, to take moments of ease. Some of us, I don't know if you were like me, at least had a few moments this summer to sit somewhere for a moment and be still. Nothing wrong with that. But understand that God yet still calls us to be sustained in the journey and not to settle for halfway. No, not the sensible, but the audacious. Not the practical, but the revolutionary. Sensible is comfortable, but audacious gets us to where we need to go. I was on the street, this is a couple of years ago, true story, and there was a tourist family. And they were walking along, I was on a 110th Street, West 110th, and they had a little bit of a look of consternation in their faces. And they saw me walking along the sidewalk there, and they stopped me. And I guess that's maybe because I have a friendly and welcoming face, I don't know. Or either they, they just didn't know how to take New York on. But, but they stopped me, and they had, as often is the case, the unfolded tourist map, which is probably not the best thing to do if you want to make sure that you're not seen as an easy mark by whoever might be out there. So, but anyway, they had the unfolded tourist map. And there was a bit of consternation, and, and, and just for, if you're not an expert on Upper West Side uh, geography, I'll just say, we were at the corner of West 110th and Amsterdam. Maybe you can figure that out, okay? But we were just, just to, the, to the west of, of the corner. So they were asking me with great consternation because they figured that they, everything was turned upside down. They didn't quite know where they were going. They thought basically <laughs> that everything was in an upheaval. They said, we're trying to find the cathedral of St. John the Divine. <laughs> the world's largest cathedral. And they really, I'm not kidding you, they really were lost. Because they had gotten so far hadn't seen it, and figured somehow the journey at this point was futile. So, preacher that I am, I preached about an 18-second sermon. I said, well, the cathedral, that august measure of architectural excellence 
the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. If you just take a few more steps, it's right around the corner. You may not be able to see it right now, but keep going and it's right around the corner. It may seem like it's a distance away, but it's right around the corner. Oh, to understand sometimes halfway really isn't halfway at all. Halfway is really a way of letting us know that all we need to do is keep going because it's just around the corner. I'll just say this as I take my seat. I feel as if though in this day and age, we need to be reminded that it's about us making the journey, the fulfillment of God's purposes for us, the fulfillment of what we as, as the gathered people of God can do and make an imprint upon the world. It's not about us reacting to others. Now listen to what I'm saying. Oh, I don't mean we should ignore the chicanery and, and the, the awfulness that swirls around us. But what I'm saying is that I think our journey and our faithfulness in that journey will outdistance and outweigh and most importantly outlast all that is destructive and divisive if we understand that the purposes God has called us to is to build the realm of God and to fling those doors wide open. That's what Canaan looks like. Canaan is a place where we all have a place at the table. Canaan is far more, and thanks be to God, far more than the geographical location of Canaan on the map as we might understand it today. But Canaan is also that place where everyone is welcome to the prospect and the fulfillment of God's purposes. So we dare not stop halfway because what God has in store for us when we get to the promised land is the blessings, the justice, the mercy, and the love that can be given so freely and so fully to all as long as we don't stop halfway, just around the corner. Amen. That was a powerful message. We are not halfway. We are around the corner. Thank you very much. Middle Church, you are audacious. You are radical and you are revolutionary. So I am celebrating all that you are doing in these historic days. You, Middle Church, all summer and all year have been showing up in Puerto Rico. And as the rest of the world does their own thing, you know that we are called to be God's hands and feet to all people. So this summer, a few weeks ago, there was another trip to Puerto Rico. You've given groceries and solar panels all summer long. And as the crises have unfolded and can, have continued to unfold over the years on immigration, this summer not only did you march again and again, but four of you will be traveling to the border in two weeks with uh, interfaith delegation from seminaries uh, from around the country to give witness to who God is in these times and we, how we stand for welcome and how we stand that every child is God's child. So it gives me chills a little bit when I think about all you are doing and um, also all that you touch. So a couple weeks ago I was in Michigan and I went in to buy some cherry jam for a family member and when I was checking out a woman named Ann Webb was behind the counter and she said, oh I listen to Middle Church every week. <laughs> Hi Ann. <laughs> we love you. And I said, oh can I take your picture? She said, no. 
But it reminded me that you are never far from Middle Church. And you make this happen because you showed up today, because you volunteer. And as I look at every face in this congregation, I see about 10 more stories because how you keep showing up, whether it's planning Pride and Pride Months or coming to our conference and teaching the country about how you build multiracial congregations and how needed that is. I hear a lot of complaints when I tell people who haven't heard of Middle what I do for a living because they, they have a definite perceptions about what church is. But you redefine it. And it's when you show up with your bodies and your time and your resources of money, that makes this place happen. So if you haven't um, officially joined this movement, you are invited to come right after worship. I'll be up here and it's just, it takes about two minutes and you just sign up a form and say, I'm officially in. But all of you join this movement when you get to know the people in your pew's names. What is your name and what is your story? And then you get to be a part of something much bigger than yourself. That when we think, oh, I can get halfway, but I don't know if I can get all the way. Susan and Rob and Vicki, they're going to hold your faith for you when you can't hold it and remind you that you're just around the corner. So we are um, going to celebrate our tithes and offerings and give those resources, but you give resources of your time and talents and all kinds of resources that make this place something that someone on the western coast of Michigan is watching you every day, every Sunday. So I thank you for being this church and standing for God's revolutionary love.
God, we thank you that your eye is on us. We thank you that you are continually reminding us that you are right here all the time and the destination might be closer than we think. Thank you for these many gifts of time and volunteering, of creativity, of leadership, of money, and of imagination that you gift us with. In your many names we pray, amen. Let the church say amen for the NML Choir. Amen. Thank you. Uh, quick announcements before Derek comes and benedicts us. Uh, please join us. We have Danishes from Moishas uh, for uh, brunch in the middle or brunch after the middle um, in the social hall. And of course, uh, a Bible in the middle with Derek and Catherine on the fourth floor studio. Coffee awaits you and a great conversation. Uh, we have a weird election coming up because it's on a Thursday, September 13th, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. It's a statewide primary uh, on September 13th. It's too late to register for that, but uh, you can register for the November elections. Uh, and let the church say amen for Reverend Derek Harkins. As many of you probably know, the word benediction simply means a good word. And the good word is this. We're not making this journey by ourselves. The good word is this. When it feels like we need to sit down, God's power and benevolence is there to sustain us. The good word is this. We are there. We are here for one another. 
And now may the God of graciousness go before us as our guide. May the God of companionship stand close to us, closer even than a brother or sister. May the God who holds the very future before us sustain us even when we would falter. And now we ask all of these things in the name of the very one who is our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And let the church say, Amen. Amen.